Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome to the final edition of RP3 and Company. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parch Third. I'm joined inside the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette by the final producer extraordinaire of RP3 and Company. And a man who's going to be transitioning to middays starting next week with our new show, RP3 D-Lo and Mesh, Dawson Iserlo. Good morning, sir. How's it going? How about still trying to recover from possibly one of the, if not the greatest college baseball game I ever watched? It was incredible. It was, it was a heavyweight fight. and um, It lived up to the billing. So many times did. we have these games, we have these matchups, they get hyped up, hyped, 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 and they rarely ever live, it, live up to it, right? Last night, oh, man. Last night was a game changer. Last night was the two best teams in college baseball duking it out, the two best pitchers in college baseball absolutely dealing and a game that needed extra innings to decide the winner, and it came down to a walk-off. Phenomenal. How the championship series is going to top what we saw last night and this week between these two, it's going to be hard-pressed. It's going to be hard-pressed. Yeah, the world's not perfect, and it feels like maybe we should have gotten Wake and LSU in our championship series, but I don't think the Florida, Gator, the Florida Gators care uh, they too do much not. about that idea, so we'll see. And they're happy because they got the you know extra day of rest and got to see these two teams burn their aces and uh, have to go 11 innings. So Florida Gators are not upset one bit by how this week went for their opposition. We have a tremendous show for you today. Yes, we're going to recap the College World Series, LSU punching its ticket to the national championship round for the first time since 2017. Ironically, that year they faced Florida in the championship series at the College World Series. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to recap that for you. We're going to recap last night's NBA draft, which was going on at the same time which made things a little challenging, if you will. But the Pelicans stay put and draft themselves a national champion who just so happens to be cousin, cousins 
with the best basketball player in college in the state of Louisiana, Angel Reese. That's right. The Pelicans drafted her cousin, national champion from UConn. We'll talk about that. But it's going to be the send-off show here. And we've got the special guest coming through the doors today, live in person inside the studios. We're going to kick it off with James Yasko. He won't be live in the studio. Our buddy who covers the Houston Astros and talks about him on the Lima Time Time podcast. You know we couldn't do a send-off show without him. He's been part of the show even before it was RP3 and Company. We're going to talk to James Yasko, Astros, at 7 o'clock. At 7.30, the original producer extraordinaire. My first producer here, Cody Schutz, is returning back to the studios to chop it up with yours truly. And the new producer extraordinaire, Dawson Iserlo. Then at 8 o'clock, MC Louis P. The only producer here at the station that ever produced, wrote, and starred in his own Christmas rap video with yours truly. That happened. It was phenomenal. MC Louis P. Louis Prejean will be back in the house this morning. Troy Brashear Jr., the unofficial mayor of New Iberia, a man who was the LAB Student Broadcaster of the Year, aspiring filmmaker, world traveler. Troy will return as well. And then at 8.30, a man who was a frequent guest host on this show, a man who was a co-host of this show with yours truly, and we had to do shows during the pandemic at our house separate, and a man who's been a frequent guest as well, Nick Fontenot. The man in the know will be joining us to help us send off RP3 and company on this final edition of the show. Of course, you want to get your phone calls in, love to hear from you as well, the listener. Y'all made this show great because of your phone calls and your interaction with our poll questions. Game hotline is open 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we got to start off with LSU Wake Forest. Absolutely lived up to all the hype and more. Skeens was dominant. He's thrown in his two World Series game a total of 243 pitches. It's pretty good. (laughs) You, You know what I'm saying? Like, that's pretty good. Only gave up two runs, 243 pitches last night. He was absolutely marvelous. Kept Wake to only two hits before he had to leave the game. He was phenomenal. The man with the head of lettuce on the other side matched him pitch for pitch, inning for inning. The wind was blowing in to start the game. And we got those reports early on from Cokie, Riley, and others that said, guess what? The wind's blowing in, which, of course, gives the advantage to the pitchers. But even if there wasn't the wind early, 
I think you'd see dominant performances because the wind shifted Dawson as the game went along. And when it got to about the seventh inning or so, eighth, ninth inning, there were a couple of balls that if they were at the box or at Wake Forest's home ballpark, they would have been home runs that were caught at the warning track. But this was a pitcher's duel. And the two best pitchers in the country went mano to mano. And neither one of them got the decision, which seems fitting, that neither one of them got a win, neither one of them got a loss. We just were dazzled by two guys that put their teams on their back last night and pitched their guts out. It was absolutely phenomenal to watch those two guys just work. Yeah, and I tweeted out, and I really truly believe this, the wind blowing in last night and, and also just the inge- the general idea of Charles Schwab Field, which we've talked about a lot this week, about kind of how that park plays, I thought did us a favor and, and did a service to college baseball last night because it ensured, and I tweeted it out, that essentially the way this game would have played out in a lot of ballparks, perhaps Alex Box, certainly in Wake Forest, um, a cheap home run would have been the deciding factor in this game. Somebody would have hit a deep fly ball, would have got up in the jet stream, carried out by a few feet, yeah. and you'd have had a one nothing game. Maybe a couple of times that happens. Maybe it's 2-1, one nothing. The wind blowing in and the fact that Charles Schwab already plays pretty big ensured that you were going to earn a run if you were going to score it. And nobody had it. I mean, look, the other thing about the pitcher's duel is that Rhett Louder and, and Paul Skeen, specifically Louder in those middle innings, it was a cruise control type of game. It was not... There were a couple chances. Wake hits the double into the gap, Justin Johnson, I believe, and there was a chance to bring a run home, but Skeen shuts that down right away. Louder had a walk here and there in the early goings that he had to work around, but these guys were truly dominant, and, I mean, it's hard to not imagine that Paul Skeens is not playing in the majors very soon after this. Um, I will say this. They stretched him out longer than I thought they would, and he went over 120 pitches, whereas Rhett Louder... Felt like maybe there was more in the tank, but they were a little more overprotective of him. I think he only threw 88 pitches through seven innings, and they pulled him. Part of that as well is Wake trusted their bullpen, which, hey, those guys who came in did a job, which we'll get to. But uh, overall, one of the best pitching duels and, yeah, best college baseball games. I know some people like offense. That game was so well played. A couple of the defensive plays, again, there's layers we haven't even gotten to yet here. Trey Morgan's play in the eighth inning is – is as big as the home run is in the 10th. It, it, it helped the save the game because he charged and did everything perfectly right. And a little bit of redemption for him right from the other day where he gets called out at home, which could have uh, had them score a run in that ball game. His defensive play was amazing. They did a very nice job out in the outfield defensively it was sharp the two pitchers were sharp and then we go to extras and wake had some chances couldn't get the job done and credit thatcher heard for getting out of the jams like it looked bad or looked at least a little nervous more than a few times in extra innings but he found a way he found a way And that was huge that, once again, we go back to Jay Johnson finding the guys that he trusted, and he trusted Thatcher Hurd. He trusts Riley Cooper a lot. Guidry. There's guys, Alkenhausen, that he's trusted, and those guys have come up huge in this College World Series run. Absolutely phenomenal. And then we get to the bottom 
of the 11th. Tommy Tanks, before last night, was not having a great College World Series. LSU's All-American slugging third baseman was not exactly setting the world on fire heading into last night's game against Wake Forest. He's 4 of 17, not terrible, but only one run scored and five strikeouts. Last night he gets a double down the right field line. Then they intentionally walk him. And both times he's on the base pass, but the Tigers are unable to bring him home. Well, Tommy said, not to worry about that. I'm not going to wait on someone else to drive me home. I'm just going to take care of this right now. And he absolutely smashed that pitch. Like, as soon as he hit it, and he just watched it, you knew as soon as he hit it that it was gone. Absolutely crushed. No no doubt about it. And boom, walk off. And it's going to go down in lore, the home run. I don't know if it's going to be quite Warren Morris-esque because Warren Morris's home run was so unexpected, for one, because he wasn't a home run hitter. Two, it won the World Series and won the national title. But this is going to be a night, and that's going to be a home run, Dawson, that the LSU fans will not soon forget. Yeah, it was a great swing, and and there wasn't a whole lot of doubt. You wonder, now the wind had helped out there and stopped blowing in. I don't think it matters, though, especially that's kind of a low-piercing one. Uh, I think it gets out regardless of the conditions at any time, and that's what I was kind of referring to. You were going to earn it. You weren't going to get a cheap ball out of the ballpark on this night, and that certainly wasn't. And uh, I love the reaction from Tommy White. I mean, we've seen a lot of guys in today's, you know, there's different ways to respond. I thought his celebration, first of all, it looks like he was shocked that he hit it, which is funny because he's a guy who's hit plenty of those. So I described it as gleeful. Yeah, and just, you know, just didn't know what to do with himself. Um, and then there was a nice moment where he went over to Cam Manassi, the reliever for Wake Forest, who gave it up because those two actually grew up uh, as pretty good friends, grew up in the same area. So um, those were some cool moments there. Wake, I mean, they just they battled, and it's tough for them. This is a team that and, and a program that hasn't been in this spot a whole lot. We mentioned 1955, the last time they were uh, champions of, col- of the College World Series. And, you know, for them it's tough, too, because you just don't know when you're going to be back in this moment. And I, I discussed that with Foot. You know, LSU's program is pretty much established at a point where they know they're going to be back in these types of games and these types of moments in the future. Um, but for Wake, the stars kind of aligned for them this year, and they had a lot of transfers that worked out and some guys that, that had career years. And uh, not to say they don't have a chance to get back there in the next couple of seasons, and Tom Walters certainly a great coach, but um, this was kind of out of their element, and you, and you wonder if this was a chance that uh, that's going to go down as, as maybe their chance to get to the big moment that they couldn't pull it off. I'm not willing to go there because this season could be the breakout season that establishes the foundation for years to come. Right? So you have to start somewhere. Right? It's easy to say, well, this is just going to be a one-off for Wake and they're going to disappear. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite there yet because they were able to build build a team, build a roster because they masterfully were was able to 
navigate the transfer portal and bring in a lot of guys via the transfer portal. So if you understand how to do that, and you just had a season where you won 50 games, and you made it to the semifinals of the College World Series, I don't think they're going to have any problems getting more guys. So I'm not ready to say that Wake Forest's window or they're not going to come back. I'm, I'm not ready. I'm, I'm not going to jump to that conclusion. Yeah, and, and I know we're coming up on a break here. We're going to have more on this after the afterwards. But um, I'll say also, might be too early to say any of this stuff, and we'll have plenty of time to discuss it uh, in the new time slot. But I'm not so sure college athletic parity is in a better place with the transfer portal, at least at the top, the way we once thought it was. Uh, I do think more teams are in the mix overall, but when you look at the teams that are coming out on top, uh, you're, you're seeing teams that utilize transfers to put themselves in those positions, and it's just it's just really difficult to compete with those teams, I think, if you're not top tier. And um, I think we saw that a little bit in you know both football last year, men's and women's basketball, and now baseball, softball as well, certainly with Oklahoma. So uh, just something to think about. But overall, something to ponder, and I'll, I'll leave a point with this. As good as Wake was with the transfer portal, they weren't as good as LSU. Jay Johnson has figured out how to masterfully navigate the NCAA transfer portal. Paul Skeens is a transfer from Air Force. Tommy Tanks is a transfer from NC State. Riley Cooper is a transfer from Arizona. You could argue those three guys have been the best players in this College World Series and have been three of the most important players this season for LSU. Two of them are All-Americans, and they didn't play here last year. Much like what Kim Mulkey did with the women's basketball team in year number two by utilizing the NCAA transfer portal. By the way, LSU's starting quarterback was out of the NCAA transfer portal, too, on a team that won 10 games and played for the SEC championship. This is the new standard, and the folks at LSU fully understand how to do this because without the transfer portal, they wouldn't have the titles and they wouldn't have a chance at winning another title in a few days. We'll hear from LSU players, coaches, coming up right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at the game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Yeah, so I was definitely going for heater. Um, I thought a heater was coming, but um, I was very amped up, and I saw a slider that was up, and I could get my bat head to it, so that was about it. Just so nonchalant, Tommy Tanks is, isn't he? By the way, he gets to come back next year. He is not draft eligible. Not yet. So we got one more year, Tommy Tanks. Can you imagine? He has to come back for another year. Now, obviously, LSU is going to lose Cruz and Morgan, but and Beloso is going to graduate. But you get to build around Tommy Tanks. It's not bad. 
It's not bad. What a game. Lived up to the hype. 2-0 win for LSU as they walk it off in the bottom of the 11th as Tommy Tanks hits that two-run home run to send LSU to the championship series for the first time since 2017. What a game. What a game. And look, Paul Skeens goes out there, the All-American, on four days rest. And there was a lot of speculation. What should they do? What will they do? And obviously, both skippers were like, we're throwing our aces. Like, we understand that we may not have them for the championship series, but guess what? If we don't win today, there's no championship series for us to play in. So Skeens threw 122 pitches last night, which is phenomenal. But he was asked post-game what the conversation was like between he and his skipper about getting the start in the winner-take-all game last night. There was no doubt. Um, I know uh, you know, our strength coach is Wes. Uh, I knew everyone was going to do everything in their power to get me ready. Um, everything's, everyone's going to get everyone else on the staff ready to, to pitch um, you know, two or three more times for, for the bullpen arms. Um, but there, there was no doubt in my mind. And to be honest, there wasn't a whole lot of conversation. It, we talked about this all week, right? We talked about this yesterday for sure. It was going to be Skeens. Like if he had any say so in it, uh, you just heard him. There's really no no conversation. Yeah, give me the ball. I'm ready. When you have that alpha guy, it sets the tone for everything else. Always does. Always has. Always will. Because when you have a guy that says, "I got this. I'm ready for the moment." Put the team on my back. You know what that does for everyone else on the team? It makes them relax. It makes them feel confident. Because they're like, well, our guys got this. That means we got this. It's a very small thing, but it matters. It matters in team sports. We haven't even touched on this because of just how epic the game was. Skeen's broke the LSU and the Southeastern Conference single-season record for strikeouts in the season. He surpassed the legend Ben McDonald, even the Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer and LSU legend, even congratulated Paul with a tweet during the game. Ben McDonald is Twitter savvy. And he broke it. And he helped his team win the game. And Skeens was asked about breaking the record, surpassing Ben McDonald's record of 202 strikeouts in a single season? Um, I've gotten to talk with Ben a lot, and he called a lot of our games. Um, obviously, he had a really good career at LSU and uh, in the major leagues. Um, it's cool, and it, it's cool to, to leave a legacy. Of course, Ben said records are made to be broken, but he was happy that it was in the family. Skeens now is the single-season record holder for strikeouts in the season, both at LSU and in the SEC. We mentioned another key moment in this game, Trey Morgan, and his phenomenal play at first place coming down that saved a run and probably saved the game for LSU. And Skeens and White jumped in and talked about their teammates' 
clutch moment in last night's game? Um, I think he showed everyone in the country that he's the most athletic first baseman out there. Um, I, to be honest, I saw him lay the bunt down and Trey kind of just came flying in and made the play, picked me up. Tommy. Yeah, as soon as I saw the bunt, like the angle of the bat, I knew it was going to first and um, I didn't see Trey. I was like, oh God, they're going to score. And then he came flying out of nowhere and Malazzo put a great tag on. So that was pretty awesome. His defense, he's a good hitter. He's a good ball player. When I think of Trey Morgan, I think that's a ball player, right? And that's meant to be a compliment when I say it that way. Kid's just a ball player. And he made a great baseball play last night, Dawson, that saved that game because you heard it in Tommy's voice right there. I didn't see Trey. Oh, no, they're going to score. Yeah, I mean, and it wasn't. The suicide squeeze, I guess maybe if it was, there's a chance that, you know, well, you know, if they execute it perfectly, I guess they do score the run. They went a little more conservative, and that gives an opportunity for the defense to make a play, and they did. Didn't have any margin for error and didn't use it. Um, So to keep the game there, too, you just you didn't feel like the offense for LSU at that time was ready to wake up yet against those, you know, those bullpen arms that came in. And, like, we haven't even discussed that. Like, Michael Massey came in and got Dylan Cruz and Tommy White. I mean, there was a couple moments in this game. He was dealing. He was dealing. Where yeah. some guys came into some spots for Wake Forest where you said, ah, this is where LSU breaks through, and they didn't. So to keep it where it was, scoreless, you know, again, you, you never know how games would have transpired if one result's different throughout the process, but that was unreal. And very similar to the way Wake wins the game in the first game of this, you know, series, so to speak, with the play at the plate with Trey Morgan, as you mentioned. Uh, very similar kind of dynamics to it, although, you know, of course, a different situation altogether. And uh, that was crucial. And, and now they they have to set things up. And, and the plan for LSU gets dicey here, of course, because you don't have skeins against Florida. I, you know, look, I know the, the, the thought's going to quickly turn to wait. What about on Monday if they get there? And I, you know, I just would be real hesitant. I, I wouldn't rule it out of the possibility that on Monday, because of the way that these coaches and players are, that skeins begs to go in for an inning or two out of the bullpen if they get there. I just don't think it's going to happen. Ty, Ty Floyd is going to pitch, though. Right. You've got Ty Floyd. Right. You've got, so, and again, the guys that you've had have pitched unbelievably well in this World Series. So, you, you know, it's part of that, well, do you think about the season or do you think about how they're pitching right now? And I think you, you put a little bit more emphasis on what's happened lately. You're good, in the, you're good for the first game of the championship series because you're going to be able to throw Ty Floyd, who warmed up last night during the game. So he'll be ready to go Saturday. You're good there. Then after that is the big question mark. Do you throw Ackenhausen again, who was phenomenal for you the other day? I would I would venture to say yes. I think he's right? a game two starter. I expect to see Gidry and Cooper eat up innings for you as well. Okay, because that's what they've done. And give Coleman another chance. And, and Jay Johnson... And I agree with with those things. And then you'll have Thatcher Hurd mixed in, whether you want to use him as a starter or as that flex role. But Jay was asked what the plan's going to be, and and he had some thoughts. You know, we we lost a very good baseball game on Monday night. Like, I mean, that was high-level stuff. I mean, if you rolled that out at Fenway Park or Yankee Stadium and you, you put big league uniforms on both teams, you probably wouldn't know the difference. That was a tough loss. And and when you're in that 2-0 game or 1-0 game, Everybody knows the importance of it, only having to win one versus to win three. Um, that was a heartbreaker. 
we we played good against another good pitcher. You know, Hartle's one of the best pitchers I've seen in a long time. Um, and so I felt like they just needed to be um, reminded of we definitely can do this. Two things. I mean, my team in 2016 did it, and LSU did it in 2017. So we weren't, you know, doing something that was going to be unprecedented. So you start there. And then the pregame speech to Tuesday was a really simple speech on the whiteboard in our meeting room. I just wrote out Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And on Tuesday, I wrote Nate's name down with eight other pitchers. And then we just drew lines over to Wednesday. It was going to be somebody in that grouping of nine. Thursday, I wrote down Skeens, Heard. I wrote down Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday, one game, this team to win the national title. I looked at it and goes, anybody got any questions whether we can do this or not? Great, let's get on the bus. And that was basically the announcement that Paul would pitch today. He mentioned being able to do this, and his team was able to do it Arizona in 2016, right? In 2017, LSU did it by taking down Oregon State, not once but twice, right? Neither one of those teams won the title. So it's going to be interesting to see, without having skeins, I think they can win a game with Ty Floyd. Can they win another game? And you have to feel pretty confident if you're LSU because of what you've seen from all the other pitchers that have stepped up in a big way since the SEC tournament. Poll question of the day. Was last night's game the best College World Series game you have ever seen? Yes, no, or maybe. Early votes, 50% of you say yes, 25% say no, 25% say maybe. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well on the poll question of the day, and we'll update it and share your comments throughout today's show. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, NBA draft was last night. Pelicans stayed pat, stayed put rather, at 14 and drafted a national champion. We'll get that information to you next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. NBA draft was also going on while we were all witnessing one of the best college baseball games at the College World Series ever. And the Pelicans, rumored to be doing many things, many different things, right? There's lots of chatter. Would they trade up to get into the top three? Would they trade Zion Williamson? Would they trade Brandon Ingram? And, of course, none of that happened. They stayed put. At 14, and selected shooting guard Jordan Hawkins out of UConn. Veteran guy, 21 years old. Big size, six foot five for a guard, not too bad. 200 pounds. Of course, he is cousins with LSU women's basketball superstar Angel Reese. He spent the last two years at UConn, played in 27 games, 
but only started in four. He averaged 5.8 points, two rebounds, and half assist a game during the 2021-2022 season. Now, last year, he started in 37 games. So, bench player, works on his craft, improves, takes his game to the next level, and his numbers jump up considerably. Average 16 points, almost four rebounds, and an assist while shooting 40.9% from the floor and 38% from three-point range. He also shot more than 80% from the free throw line. And, of course, helped the UConn Huskies win the national championship. But this is an intriguing pick for me for the Pels. And here's why. You need shooters, which I get. Dawson, I I understand that. I thought you could use some other guys that could stretch the court at the three and the four spot and give you some depth there and some shooters there. Not to mention there's all types of what are you going to do with your depth down low? You're going to lose Jackson Hayes. Valachunas may get moved still. And they brought in another guard, and now he joins a backcourt back court that features C.J. McCollum, Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy III, Dyson Daniels, and Kyra Lewis Jr. And by the way, Dyson Daniels was taken as a lottery pick last year. Kyra Lewis was, what, the year before that? Or no, Trey Murphy was the year before that. Kyra was the year before that. A lot of draft picks spent on guards. Just saying. There's a big difference between Jordan Hawkins and Alvarado, Kyra Lewis. I think Kyra Lewis, the writing might be on the wall here. Um, Now, I still would have liked them. Now, we we found out Chris Paul was traded to the Warriors yesterday. I still would have liked the idea of them getting a table setter and a guy who uh, facilitates more than scores at the point guard spot. I think McCollum is still better suited to play the two. But, I mean, Hawkins has some versatility. You you shortchange him a little bit. I'd, I'd round up and say he's an 80 uh, our 39% three-point shooter, 38.8 there, and then a free throw line, 89% in this past season. That's pretty During impressive. the commercial break, I'm going to come over there and punch you, That's okay. by the way. Uh, I, I'll he, be all right. 38.8%. Yeah, if no, you want to be technical, that's not 39%. Well, that it's rounds 38. up. You round up 0.5, you round up to the next Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm fine. aware. But you said 38. You didn't say It's okay. It's fine. But I'm just saying, you know. Overall, I look. I I think it's <sighs> it's a decent pick here. The length is is something you like from a guy who's six five. Trey Murphy, I think, has more versatility as well, and he can kind of slide over. You could play three guard looks. It's becoming a guards league, right? And I think they're reflecting that with their selections. Um, I'm not sure if they're done with the roster where it is. They're certainly going to need some more depth inside, uh, especially with we don't expect to see Jackson Hayes back on this roster. I think the Valanchunas move. It's going to have to coincide another one, though, right? If they move him, it's going to be with the idea that they have the replacement plan. Um, It's also tough to draft big men and get those guys to contribute earlier. I think it takes them a little longer to get acclimated in the NBA. So if they do move Valanciunas, which personally I'm fine with running it back with him. I know he has some deficiencies defensively, um, but I think he does enough on the offensive side that kind of helps you out. Also, he's just a size guy, and you just don't have a ton of size right now. So... They're definitely going to need another piece. I think I'm not comfortable going in with just Larry Nance back there in the front court with him. But overall, I like the pick, and uh, I know they have a ton of guards on the roster. I'm not sure all those guys factor into their future plans, and I think they maybe already made some decisions on a couple of them. But that's my point. 
they were really high on Dyson Daniels last year. They took him where they took him. Now you're taking another guard again a year later. And who's going to run point? Like, we, we keep talking about CJ's better served as a number two. Find someone that can be the facilitator. Who's that? I agree. And I, Look, I, that, I think that, that's a, my question. Who is that? Because you've got a, a bunch of guys that have similar skill sets. I think there's the, there's the idea in my head that Alvarado's got some potential there. I just don't think he's complete enough as an offensive player yet. Um, but the other thing is I think they still have an idea of CJ playing there and B.I. and Zion all being you know ball handlers and facilitators there. I think they have this idea that they don't need one true point guard. and We've seen it work elsewhere, so it's not like it's impossible. But I think Daniels actually compliments Hawkins. It's a, Daniels better defensive player than he is offensive player. I think Hawkins better offensive than defensive. I think those guys certainly as role players coming off the bench giving you different looks. I don't mind those two selections going together. I don't think it means they're done with Dyson Daniels, but... Um, I, I do think I, I don't know how they feel about Kyra Lewis moving forward. That would be the I don't one, know I either, and that's I don't know how they feel about Kyra Lewis either. I also don't know how they feel about Dyson Daniels because I thought he would have played far more last year than he did. I mean, I, I get that, and he he had stretches where he played pretty well. I think also I as a 19 year old, he struggled with consistency, and I think that's going to happen. We saw Trey Murphy kind of take that leap year two to year from year one, and I think that would probably be the hope with Dyson Daniels. I just you know, look, does he get a couple less minutes now than he would have before because they're going to try and work the rookie in there? Certainly. But also, I don't think it's a guarantee that Jordan Hawkins steps in and plays 25 minutes a game as a rookie. I think they're going to no. work him in slowly as no. well. So no. we'll kind of see there. I think it's it's good to have options. I wouldn't have mind if they went front court, but also from what I heard around this draft, there was a lot of guys that fit this mold. Um, and I think they, they viewed Hawkins as one of the better guys out of it. I think they're probably pretty happy that they got him at 14. Are you disappointed that the kid from Kansas and his Dorothy from Oz that was a decision, wasn't it? Suit that is not coming to New Orleans. Are you disappointed that he was taken by Toronto? Um, I like the player, but I'm okay with Hawkins over him. <laughs> I didn't have strong look, enough feelings one way or the other. The, look, what he, I like what he wore last night was a decision. It was, was something that he, was, he decided. He, he was a he decision. It. it was a decision. That's a nice way of describing that. Look, I like Hawkins. I just you're in a weird spot because you're at 14. Right? So that's the other part of this. I think Hawkins is a good player. I don't know if I fully buy into how the Pelicans utilize their guards is my is is my thing. And I think that's a fair a fair question. Because they have a lot of talented young guys that they don't play. Right? And you go, okay, well, you drafted these guys. You developing these guys, you don't play these guys. Why? And they just took another guy that's kind of like that. Young, talented, versatile. And is he going to play? I don't know. Got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one here on this special farewell edition of RP3 and Company by getting to your comments and updating the poll question of the day. That'll be next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. It's like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter. Isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer. 
or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the comments are flying in on the poll question of the day. Was last night's game the best College World Series game you had ever seen? 51% of you say yes. 26% say no. 23% say maybe. Already 43 votes on this bad boy. Let's get to some early comments. Ralph says, just a shame these two teams were on the same side of the bracket. This deserved to be the championship series. But how about that Tiger bullpen? Awesome game. Ralph also says, by the way, farewell, guys. Best of luck in the new time slot. Will this final edition be the best RP3 and company we've ever had? Well, we're trying. We're trying. Hart says, best College World Series game I've ever seen, followed up by the best sports morning show today. Can't ask for more. I know you're just moving time slots, but thanks for being part of my morning routine for the past few years. Always great content. I'll definitely be tuning into the new show. Well, thank you, Hart. Well, that's what we like to hear, and we appreciate that. There we go. B-Rad, my man B-Rad was fired up last night on the Twitters. No, the walk-off in 96, which I agree is probably the best. That's the Ward Morris home run against Miami. The walk-off part two in 2000 against Stanford are still the king. Both of those won the national championship last night. Might be third, though. Ton says it was definitely way up there. I agree. Steve says absolutely. And John Paul. Great moments make games great. The best College World Series game ever. 1990 Cajuns-Clemson's elimination game. Fian bunting for first, stealing second, taking third on an error, and then stealing one on the next pitch to win the game. That, for me, greatest game ever. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Hour one in the books. Hour number two. Our first guest of this RP3 and Company Farewell Show. James Yasko from the Lima Time Time Podcast joins us. That's next right here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hour number two has arrived on this final Friday edition of RP3 and Company. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parts III. Joining me inside the Evco Development Studios is the latest, greatest producer extraordinaire, Dawson Iserlow. D'Lo, are you prepared to meet some of the former producer extraordinaires who have you have yet to chop it up with? Yes. The evolution of what we've done here courtesy of my evolution courtesy of all these producers (laughs) if it wasn't for them i wouldn't be the barely competent person i am now on the air so just think about that no i don't know i think you could run it all you could run the boards you could post you could do it all if you had no 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 no, don't be none of that (laughs) i'll be none of that (laughs) oh no 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 coming up half an hour from right now 
the return of the first producer of RP3 and Company, the man who actually produced my first show here on the station, Cody Shoots, will be joining us, chopping it up, reminiscing, talking about all things. Plus, my man's in town for SmackDown tonight, too. Big wrestling guy. Cody will be joining us half an hour from right now. Also, don't forget to go vote on the poll question of the day. Was last night's College World Series game the best one you've ever seen? Wake Forest, LSU. They were two Titans going at it. Two of the best pitchers in the country, duking it out. And the game is won on a walk-off home run in the bottom of the 11th inning by Tommy Tanks, Tommy White, as LSU advances to the championship series for the first time since 2017. Well, they'll be taking on Florida who, by the way, played them and beat them in the championship series in 2017. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now it's time for us to talk Houston Astros baseball and nonsense, as we typically do every Friday, by a man who's been part of this show from its beginning, the one and only James Yasko. James, good morning, brother. How are you? It's it's fun it's fun that, that you think I'm gonna hang up at seven twenty. I'm not just gonna be on the phone for the next three hours uh with with all of the producers and my wife's gonna be mad, but that's something I'm I'm willing to deal with. <laughs> What's funny about you coming on to this show is that it was never supposed to happen. I I haven't told this story in a long time. So originally when I had my first show here at the game it was the old rap game show from 9 to 11. And they had used your co-host from the Lima Time Time podcast. And he yes. came on a few times. And then we tried to book him on a more regular basis. And our guy and his job and what pays the bills and his lifestyle did not allow him to come on on a regular basis. <laughs> I've, I've known I've known Pat for for seven years, and I still I don't know what he actually does on a daily basis. So that's hilarious. <laughs> and so because we couldn't get him on on a consistent basis, it was Cody who said, "Hey, why don't we just ask his co-host to come on?" And you started coming on on the old show, and we just carried it over, and you've become a regular fixture of this show. And I appreciate that, brother. I love it. Absolutely love it. Let's talk about. These strows. Yeah, okay. Well, no, no. First of all, I want to say thank you. As a lifelong Atlanta Braves fan, anytime the Mets, the old Metropolitans with their fancy name, lose, it's a good day in the Parch household. So thank <laughs> you for taking two of three for the Mets and their enormous payroll that's helped them uh, stay below 500 this year. Thank you. I can't, I can't quite put my finger on how the Astros as terrible as they've, as they've been playing in the last two weeks, uh, how the Astros took two of three, uh, in a, in a, and I, they didn't beat Scherzer, but, but in a series that featured Scherzer and Verlander, how they came away with two wins there. <clears throat> that just, that, that, that's just how bad the, the cursed Mets are. Oh, and, and I relish every moment and every day of it. So <laughs> it's, it's almost as, as enjoyable as when my team actually wins. Um, so what stood out to you though? Because look, the Astros have a lot of things that aren't going their way. 
but they do take two or three from the Mets, but then game one was so lopsided. When you see this team play, when you see Dusty's team play right now, even with the two wins, what stands out to you, both good and bad, about this team right now? So, I guess the the good thing is that you know they they did score they they scored enough runs to to get two wins. Um, you know the I, the game two of that Mets series was four to two, and then it was then there was that crazy uh, Wednesday game that was like ten to eight. That that even without having Jordan Alvarez in the lineup, which has been which has been terrible. Uh, it, that's been as, as bad and as poorly timed of an injury as as you sort of would have expected. Um, they still put up enough enough runs to win two of those games. The the bad thing is it's just the inconsistency. You know, it's it's it, it's it's different. You know, Montero is terrible, uh, and that's looking like one of the worst free agent signings in in Astros history right now. Um, but you know, it's it's the day after Fromberg gives you eight innings, then Christian Javier doesn't make it out of the third. Um, Montero gives up more runs. You know, Seth Martinez the the is trying to kind of fill this long relief role. Sometimes it works, most of the time it doesn't. It's just it's we're not in a at a phase of like, well, who's gonna be the who's gonna be the reason the Astros lost this game today? But it's not it's not far off from from that. So the the bad the offense is starting to figure it out. It kind of feels like Bregman is hitting the ball really well. Abreu will hit the ball really well for three games and then forget how to do that for a week. Um, it, it's just it's just the inconsistency that that I think is driving most Astros fans crazy. James, were you surprised at the decision to go with Blanco in the fifth spot in the rotation instead of Belak? Uh, just given Belak's track record being longer and more experienced guy in the rotation, a little bit. <clears throat> Belak on the surface, Belak has really good numbers. Uh, you look a little bit closer, and they're they're not actually that good. Um, and so, you know, I, I I can sort of see the Astros trying to mix and match that that this spot you know if they are if they are going back to five and not six then i i could i could see there being a few guys in play like oh hey just a heads up here in about 10 days you're gonna need to go about six innings um and, and just sort of mix it all together until our comes back so heading into this weekend, the Dodgers on the road. Of course, there's always a little extra juice when the Astros play the Dodgers. Those two played in 2017 in a big series towards the end of the year. Um, oh, right. What are you expecting? Because the interesting thing is the Dodgers are kind of struggling themselves, at least up to their standards. Both teams, almost identical records. I think the Dodgers just have one less loss. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> what am I expecting from Dodgers fans? Someone's going to get a beer bottle broken over their head in the parking lot. Um, I, I think you could probably guarantee that. Someone's going to get tased in Dodger Stadium. Uh, you could you could probably put money on that. Um, then their fan base is going to be terrible. Any baseball uh, thoughts <laughs> on that series or no? Oh, oh yeah, I guess there's, there's something. Uh, uh, Astros win all three just because that makes the least amount of sense. We're talking to James Yasko of the Lehman Time Time podcast and a contributor to the Houston Chronicle. That is a respectable publication, you know. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. So, look, there's a consistency issue. We know this team has been battered with injuries, and every time they looks like they get someone back, 
they don't <laughs> or they lose somebody else and, and whatnot, whether it's with the rotation or whether it's with the lineup. Do you still have confidence right now on June the 23rd that this team can track down the Texas Rangers, win the division yet again, and make a, another run to, say, the American League Championship Series? Am I confident? So <clears throat> so you, you asked a couple of different questions there. Am I, I know, I did. Can, Thank you. If, am I confident that they can track down the Rangers? I don't know. Um, I don't know about that. Am I confident they can make the postseason and that's really all this team needs? Yes. Um, you know, I think, I think the Rangers have been playing like they spent $800 million on, on free agents in the last two off seasons. Um, you know, they, they've sort of, they've, they've had something of an easier schedule and they've, they've taken advantage of that. And, you know, you can't, you can't, Asterisk wins. Like if you win a game, it's already in the bank, and and the Rangers just have more of those than the Astros do. The thing is that the 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 Astros and Rangers still have a lot of games to play against each other, and you know a, a, a couple of series go the Astros' way, and and that that deficit's erased. Um, but I do think that this is a team that you know you're you're waiting. You're not going to have Lance McCullers. Um, Urquidy, Jose Urquidy is coming back. Uh, Jordan Alvarez will be back, and and you, you as well as anybody knows that if you've got two really good starting options and a and a decent offense, you can catch fire in October and and make some noise. So, will they catch the Rangers? I don't I don't know. You know, Fangraphs and Baseball Reference are are, are skeptical of that, but but once they get in, could they could they do some real damage? One hundred percent, yes. This team has battled through injuries, has battled through guys slumping, and has just had kind of a tough time of it. Uh, I'm old school, and I don't panic about these things. I wait until a certain time of the season to start being really concerned about a team's chances to make the postseason because I, I saw my Atlanta Braves make moves at the trade deadline a few years ago and win the whole thing. And right. they caught the Mets and then went on a run and won the World Series. So it can be done. And this is a team filled with veterans that have World Series winning experience. And they have a veteran skipper. So I, I'm i going to give the Astros the benefit of the doubt for a while, probably even past the All-Star break. Is there a crossing line, if you will, James, a point of the season where you go, okay, now it's time to be really concerned about this team's chances when is that for you do you have one you asked me that before the season started and i said memorial day uh and you know we're we're almost a month past memorial day and and the astros were in third place you know a couple days ago um given the circumstances i i would say at once the trade deadline passes all right then well, let's let Dana Brown go to work, uh, assess what the organization needs, get Jordan Alvarez back, get Jose Arquiti back in the rotation. And because getting a guy like Arquiti, is he, an, is he as good as Fromber or Christian Javier? No. But, but being a solid number three makes your number four and number five a little bit better. So let's, let's get some guys back. Let's let the front office have their first, it's their first trade deadline. Uh, let's see what they do, and, and come August first, you know, let's let's reevaluate and really decide if it's time to panic. 
August 1st. I agree with that. Dawson? I mean, we, we can reset things because of who the Astros are and the type of players and skipper they have. August 1st does seem like a legitimate date to be, if if they're still struggling then, then we can be worried. Yeah, let's go ahead and put the reminder in our calendars and our phones oh. so we don't want to miss that one, and we'll uh, re- revisit it then. Uh, before we let you go, um, James, by the way, it's James. Don't call him Jimmy in case you were wondering. He gets very mad about that in case you were wondering. Yeah. Yes, for inf- sure. Well, yeah, inf- yeah. Infuri- Roy, Roy Rage. <laughs> Where do we stand on the situation with uh, Leeds and them being purchased by somebody, a celebrity of some sort, or uh, what their future looks like? So they've been, they have officially been purchased by 49ers Enterprises, which is sort of the investment arm uh, of the San Francisco 49ers. So as someone who is who has marginally paid attention uh, to the Houston Texans, uh, let me be the first to be on the record as saying, go Niners. Um, they, this, they've, they've been purchased. Uh, they need what is essentially, they, they need a new manager. They need a new head coach, and they need the, the soccer version of a GM. Uh, the problem is that you can start making roster moves here in like two weeks, uh, and the season starts in about six weeks. So those two things need to happen pretty quickly. That's not optimal. But no. by the way, that's not optimal. No, no, it's not. There's nothing. There's nothing good. Uh, my students will be like, "So who are you going to support next year?" Because Leeds got relegated. I'm like, "What are you talking about? Like, there's no other team. Like, it's, it's, it's Leeds. You know, they're like, that's crazy. I'm like, you have yes, the sports fandom is is a form of mental illness. Uh, and you have it, it right in the DSM five. Don't let anyone change. You have it right there. I feel like. I, I don't have an English Premier League soccer team, and obviously, if I root for Leeds, I won't have one either. But yeah, I, I feel don't, I don't either. Yeah, I don't. I don't have one of those. <laughs> but but I feel like I should, uh, as as your friend, I feel like I should start rooting for them. What do you think <clears throat> about that? That the, if you were to if you wanted to pick a team that was going to be entertaining, that is going to have it, it, they have a new manager, and it's someone that I had really hoped that Leeds was going to go out and get. Uh, they're gonna be they're gonna be super entertaining. The manager is absolutely hilarious, but also kind of a genius. I would I would be a fan of Tottenham Hotspur, and they're he's a he's an Australian Greek guy that came from Celtic in in Scotland. His name's Ange Postacoglu, and he he is a certified genius, but is also an extremely funny uh, and very personable. And they've got a lot of really good players. So that would be, that would be a no, no. See, I'm gonna stop you right, James. I'm gonna stop you right there. I'm I'm not gonna go with the trendy pick with the dynamic personality and good players. That's jumping on a bandwagon. I want to be on Uh, the ground level with a team that's miserable and see them get built up. If I'm gonna become a fan of a a soccer team, that's fair. But I, I know a lot of Spurs fans, and they would not consider that a bandwagon pick. Like they they are they are the Mets. Of, of the English Premier League. like They, they spend a lot of money and, and just always seem to disappoint everybody, uh, including their own mothers. And, and so that, that would be – I don't know that that would be a, a trendy bandwagon pick. James, appreciate your time, brother. We'll have to get together and go to an Astros game this summer, my friend. I hope you have a great weekend. It, is, it has been an absolute pleasure to be on this particular show, and I know we'll, we'll do this again uh, at a different time slot, but – I, I just want you to know that, that it takes something special for me to be willing to get up at, at 6.30 on a Friday when I do not have to, and I look forward to it every week. Thank you, brother.
This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and Company on On the the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We have a few minutes here before we bring on the first of the glorious past producers of RP3 and company that are here for the send-off of the show. Cody Schutz is in the house. Uh, Louis Prejean has arrived as well. It's about to be a party up in here, D-Lo. Hope you're ready for that. Do you have a poll question of the day? Obviously, LSU winning last night's game. Absolutely... Phenomenal performance by both pitchers. It's a game that lived up to the hype and may go down as one of the greatest college World Series games we've ever seen. Was last night's game the best college World Series game you've ever seen? 55% of you say yes. 23% say no. 22% say maybe. I like the maybe option. Always good to have the maybe option. Mr. Green a.k.a. Jamie, says on vacation, I tuned in what I could, and both times all I saw was the wannabe Trevor Lawrence wheeling and dealing. That said, I will miss listening and calling in my way to work on the mornings. Best of luck to the new show and time slot. I'll be tuned in. Thank you, Mr. Green. You keep molding young minds with music education. Tiger Bait says, this was the best baseball game I've ever seen in my life at everything you can ask for. Great pitching, amazing defense from both teams, just all around great baseball. Was a blast to watch, but not good for my blood pressure. Saw a lot of people say that. Look, it's going to go down as one of the greatest games I've ever seen. But if you're a Tiger fan, it still has to be 1996. It has to be Warren Morris. Little Warren Morris, second baseman who doesn't hit for power, who's injured, who goes up there and takes down mighty Miami with one swing to win the national championship. That's what it's still got to be for me. That's why I voted maybe. But keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Was last night's game the best College World Series game you had ever seen? Once again, LSU advances to the championship round. They're going to take on Florida. These two teams duked it out in 2017 with the Gators winning that national championship series. A bearded gentleman who apparently is someone who's homeless. No, it's Louis Prejean. He's here. He has facial hair. I never thought I'd see the day that happened. LSU now will have to take on Florida, who's going to be rested. Gators, Tigers, but no Paul Skeens. It's going to fall a lot, Dawson, on Ty Floyd to have to set the tone for them. If they can win game one with Ty Floyd, who's their best pitcher left, they'll have a great chance to be able to piece it together with the other guys to win the national championship. So they got to win Saturday's game 
without a doubt, because they're going to throw Ty on that day. Well, and again, I mean, we've said they had to do a lot of different things, and it hasn't worked out like that because guys have pitched that we didn't expect to. So I, I do think it's it certainly is a razor-thin margin for error if you don't win with Ty Floyd, but I just think at this point we can't think of the bullpen and the rest of the guys throwing the way we thought of for so much of the season because they're not that team at this point. Correct. Kind of the same way that you know we talked about with TCU, that they weren't the team that struggled for so long, and that's why they made it to the finals of the other side of the bracket. But um, – Florida's got an advantage, but look, they threw Caglian on yesterday, uh, or two days ago, I should say. So, you know, he's going to, and he wasn't great against TCU anyway. Mm, he wasn't. So, you know, they're not a team that has elite, top-level pitching the way Wake had. They do have a very good pitching staff. That's why they're the number two team in the country. But um, I don't think it's impossible. It's, it's still a daunting task without your ace. But, once again, we've said this over and over again on this show. Baseball is the great equalizer. It's a great game because anything can happen on any given day. You never really do know 100% of the time what's going to happen because it's baseball. A baseball play will happen. A guy that has no business getting a hit bloops in a single into right field to win the game. Or a pitcher who had been struggling for the last three weeks goes out there and pitches a gym. You never do know. It's what makes the game so amazing. Just a reminder, LSU will take on the Florida Gators in the College World Series National Championship Series. Pre-game for Saturday's Game 1 begins at 5.30. First pitch is set for 6 o'clock. And all the action is brought to you here on the game by the following sponsors. Arco Equipment, Arsamont Machine Supply, Bubba Ostelet, Toyota Ford, Cypress Bayou Casino, Iggy Castile State Farm, Attorney Paul Brown, The Bank, Service Chevrolet, Cadillac, Beal and Bear, and Tibbs Trailers. Once again, LSU, Florida. Game one, 6 o'clock on Saturday. Game two, 2 o'clock on Sunday. And you'll be able to listen to both of those right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Five years ago, this November, I made my debut as a show host on a brief show that ran here on the game called The Rap Game. It was from 9 to 11. It was the week of the Alabama LSU game. And to say that I was nervous after not being in radio for 20 years and all of a sudden being thrust back into hosting my own sports talk show for two hours, which at the time I thought was just enormous. <laughs> just like, how am I going to talk for two hours? And the man who was behind the window, the man that ran the boards as my first producer and helped me really find my feet as a show host, with that show, and then when we transition to the morning slot from 6 to 9, when we launched RP3 and Company, is joining us here in the Evco Development Studios, 
my old friend Cody Shoots. What's up, brother? Raymundo. What's going on, my friend? How are uh, you doing, sir? Long time no see. What I got from what you just said was that it was five years ago that dude, I was in here. Dude, it was the, that long that's ago. That's the main thing I got from what you said. But no, it's awesome to be back. And uh, I was listening on the drive in. And uh, it really is something to know that I was here when you were just this wee little baby radio <laughs> producer, a radio host, figuring it out, didn't know his left from his right. And now you have oh, evolved man. into, uh, I believe it was, what was it, a barely competent uh, radio host. So well done, my friend. Well, well, well done. What did you think when we're, we're, we were sat in the studio and, and I'd come on a couple times as a guest for Alan Michael? Uh, the late great. Remember, we used to do the joke. Oh. <laughs> he, he didn't die. He did die. He did die. <laughs> we always made it out like he did. But Alan says, hey, would you be interested in having your own show? Because I'd done a couple times as a guest host and everything like that and filling in for numerous shows. And I said, sure. But what, what was going through your mind as the producer of the two morning shows? And here's, and, and here's this guy, RP3. What was the first thing you thought of? You can be honest. The first thing I thought, honestly, was, man, he's real tall. <laughs> like I mean, you asked my honest. That's the first thing I thought. But it, but to answer your question honestly, you sat down, and I'm not gonna lie, we were treading water for a little bit. Yeah, we we, did. Were, we were treading water. Oh, but yeah. we had we, when Alan was still here, he was he was good about giving us our own space to figure it out on our own. And I'm pretty positive by the time it was all said and done, we had a pretty good uh, a rhythm for ourselves. Yep. Now, was it as good as it is now? Absolutely not. But that's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have so much fun from 9 to 11. And one of the things that helped me, and I, I give you credit, it helped me kind of establish myself and, and get my, my footing was we had a weekly segment with our good friend Brady Amon. Mm-hmm. Where we just did nothing but old school wrestling talk, brother, <laughs> brother, and we would come up with different topics. And it sounds silly to think about, but that really made me because it was something that I felt comfortable talking about. It was right. about something that I could, I could do. And we really did find our our footing together. And then, boom, we launch RP3 and Company, and and you're the producer for that. And we get off off the ground. And man, I'm not gonna lie. I was like three hours, three hours, <laughs> three hours, and you. I remember you. You were like, "We got this, man. We got this." And I was like, "It's three hours. Like, what are we gonna do for?" And I got so worked up. I had to micro. I was. I was trying to do every segment. I was like, "We got to touch on this. I got to touch on this." And you're just like, "Relax, man. Relax. It's gonna be fine. Well, it's it gonna was, be fine." It's a good thing to be that prepared. But in my opinion, and what do I know? I'm. I'm not in radio anymore. But in my opinion, radio is best when it's. It's free flow and, and it feels right. But when you have that list of things and you have stuff that you're ready to get to and you know you can get to, then you know there's never going to be an empty segment. There's never going to be any lull in the action. But if you have a good show going, you have a good back, back and, and forth, forth with who yep. you're with, then things seem to flow and you can fly through three hours like, like it's nothing, man. Yeah, and, and, and it does fly. And that was one of the things early on was like, making the producer kind of be part of the show instead of just being a producer. Right. Well, that was the whole concept behind the RP3 and company. Correct. You know, it was the the guests coming in, the producers being part of the show. And and to me, that's what makes this show just a little bit different 
than than a lot of other shows that you can listen to anywhere. Uh, Clint, we all know, was a big deal with that, of being involved in his shows. And that's what kind of, I saw Clint do that, wanted to make me do that. And then in turn, you seeing that wanted you to get everyone else involved. And here we go, listening to the back and forth between you and Dawson. I mean, it's tenfold better than what me and you were doing. He's pretty we good. were talking about old school wrestling. You already said that. <laughs> like, so it's way better than what we were doing, you know? <laughs> yeah, we put on school. one great podcast, though. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, it was, uh, it was a good time. Uh, original RP3 and company producer Cody Shoots. Rap game. Produ- rap and game. the rap and game. Rap game. That's, that show, uh, as short-lived as it was, yes. uh, I remember spending about as long as that show existed on creating the logo for that show <laughs> and then got told it wasn't that good. Well, the good news is the legacy lives on because, you know, just so a behind-the-scenes look, the folder's still called Rap Game Daily Podcast when I say <laughs> yes. It never changed. We never went it in never, and changed it. It never changed. See, Dawson, that you're a real one for that right there. That's a, he's a it, real guy back there. It never, it, it, it never changed. Um, let's talk a little bit about, obviously, you're a diehard LSU fan. You're a diehard LSU baseball fan. Yeah, I wore my shoes today. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, how you feeling right now this morning, brother? Your Tigers are back in the championship series for the first time since 2017. Okay, I'm going to answer your poll question. That's what I'm going to do. All right. Um, I was born in 1990. So was I alive for you know the Skip Burtman? Yes. Do I remember any of it? Hardly not. No. Um, so the Warren Morris thing, as great as it is, is all the highlights as I, I've seen of it. And, and I understand Alex Cora crying in the dirt. That's amazing to me. I still love that. Every time I see it, it's great. But, I mean, I am now, I'm, I'm 32 years old now. You know what I mean? And to see something like that happen last night, sitting in my house, having to celebrate while at the same time not waking up my 11-month-old who's sleeping in the <laughs> other room. My wife gave me a, a hearty pat on the back last night for not waking up the baby. I'm running around the house. I'm whisper yelling at the top of my – my shirt's gone. I don't even know where my shirt is gone at this point. It was, it was, in my opinion, the best college baseball game that I have ever seen. It was, it was in – Incredible. The pitching was phenomenal. It lived up to the hype. The two best pitchers just dueling and just mowing down these great lineups like yeah. it was nobody's business. I mean, the stars shined last night. They yes. said it. They said it on commentary uh, after the game. But I mean, Dylan Cruz, Tommy White, Trey Morgan, uh, the pitcher from Wake Forest, Brett Loudry, They all they all shined as expected. The only the only thing that made the game. And to me, I didn't even think about this until the game was over. But Koontz being out out of the game and not playing for Wake Forest, yeah, that was that that was a little bit of a damper. It would have been nice to have him out there, but he was zero for nine. I mean, you know, he it would have been a Cinderella story the other way around if he would have played and come up with a big hit or something. So I'm glad it worked out for my Tigers because just what an incredible game. And and I'll say this, Florida, if you're gonna go down the 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 tick box of Pitching, hitting, fielding, bullpen, things like that. Florida may check more boxes than LSU as far as winning the games coming up. But when you've got a team like LSU, and especially in college baseball, that's riding this wave right now, Mm -hmm. that doesn't seem like, even when things seem to be going wrong, like you were saying, Thatcher Hurd getting in some jams and then somehow finding a way to work his way out of it. When things just happen to work out, Trey Morgan throwing the guy out at the plate, when that happens for your team, it really feels like it might be one of those things that even though your team on paper might be better right now, 
I think LSU is going to ride that wave, and they're going to take Florida. It'll take three games. I expect it to take three games, but I think LSU can take Florida. If it goes three games, do you expect to see your man Paul Skeens pitch at all in game three? He's um, thrown, yeah, I'm thinking he's thrown 243 pitches in the two right. games at Omaha. Um, I'm thinking you get the Lewis Coleman special. Back in 2009, where, where he came in at the very end of the game in 2009, and he, uh, think, I don't know if he came in in the eighth or the ninth, exact, I don't remember exact specifics, but I know he pitched early. They had some weather in that series, if I remember correctly, too, so that game got pushed back, I think, an extra day. So he did have an extra day of rest in there, but, I mean, I don't know Paul Skeens personally. All I know is what Jay Johnson says about him. But he sure seems like the type of guy that they're going to have to take his cleats. They're going to have to take yep. his jersey from him if it gets to the point in a game three, in the eighth or ninth inning, where LSU, the game is tied, LSU has a lead. I don't know how they keep him off the field. I would agree with that because he's going to demand to get the ball and he's going to demand to be part of that championship series if it does go three games. I'm, I'm like you. I think it goes three games. Mm-hmm. I think – my, my initial reaction is I think they win Saturday with Ty because I, I think it's in his crawl a little bit that he wasn't able to get the the win the other day, and he's going to be determined, and he's going to go out there, and I think he's going to pitch really well, and I think they're going to ride the momentum from beating Wake. I think Florida fights back, wins game two, and that should be probably a Johnny Holstaff type of game from LSU. And I think it's going to come down to game three, and I, I do like the Tigers initially because of the momentum they have, and they're healthy. That was the difference in 2017. They make it by beating Oregon State not once but twice, and they make it to the championship round, but they lost one of their aces right right before. So they were a man down. That played a huge role in that. Dawson, I'm going to give you the opportunity here with every one of these past producers to ask them anything that you would like to maybe make yourself even more extraordinary or – Get some dirt on yours truly. Uh, the microphone's yours. I'll give you one for free. He was bald when he got here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't the producing of you all that that went that turned him that way. That's no, it wasn't. Know. No, he was definitely bald when he got here. No, but now and he's big. now and he's big. Well, now he's he's lighter than he was six months ago. That's for sure. That's right. Lost yeah, thirty two pounds. I was gonna mention. I didn't, I didn't want to lie. I didn't know if we were talking. I was gonna say that though. You look great. You're still Thank the you. big guy, but oh, you look I'm, but you look great. Yeah, I'm still. Look, I'm I'm still someone that could have you know wrestled in mid south wrestling yes i'm always gonna be that guy right i'm just gonna be a healthier version the jyd versus the rp3 i'm booking it now book free, it free birds rebirth i did have an interesting thing based on y'all's conversation there's a 80 chance of rain in omaha tomorrow Ooh. but <laughs> it's mostly early in the day looks like they'll probably be able to get the game in and uh but i i'm interested to see i don't know if they i doubt they'd want to play a doubleheader in the championship series so if weather gets weirder and those storms come in at night That'd be very interesting if the series became Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, but it doesn't right now. It doesn't look too likely, but that would that would make things a whole lot more intriguing about whose pitchers were available. Well, don't, because if that happens, then you know Skeens is going to pitch yeah, in, don't definitely get, in game. Don't three. get my hopes up like that, Dawson. That's not cool. <laughs> we just we, we only just met. You yeah. can't you can't do me like that. Hold on now. It's again. It's not you know the the storms are supposed to roll in earlier in the day, but we've seen the weather be a little unpredictable. I was about to say, how often is the weatherman right? So yeah. If that happens, yeah, yeah. that changes an entire perspective. On Florida's end, they'd get Caglianon back as well. So, I mean, there's there's both sides of it. But I think uh, advantage LSU if that happens. That's although unlikely. I'll make you that you know what out. doesn't get rained out though? What? WWE SmackDown tonight at the Cajun Dome. That does not get rained out. 
I can't wait for that. I'm, I had to say it. I'm super excited. I, I have cannot my, wait. I have my tickets as well, by the way. We the ones. We the ones. Jimmy and Jay all, all day. That's, let's do it. I cannot wait. Roman got what he deserved. He got what he deserved. We got it. Oh, thank you, brother. I love Cody you, Ray. Shoes. Love you, Ray. I uh, love you too, bro. Oh, uh, we got to take a time out. We'll wrap up our number two here on this farewell edition of RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves, just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though, wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. Was last night's game the best College World Series game you have ever seen? 11 innings, walk-off winner for LSU as they advance to the championship series for the first time since 2017. Yes, no, and maybe are your options. Shout out to our guys on Facebook. I can always count on the efficient comments coming from the people who comment on the Book of Face. Jude, yes. Blaine, yes. Edward, yes. Efficiency. Right at it. Not messing around. Not getting crazy with the comments. The efficiency on the Facebook. 72 of you have voted in the poll question of the day. Right now, the results are 57% say yes, 24% say no, 19% say maybe. Maybe. Doug on the Twitter says, thinking ahead, if it goes to a game three against Florida, couldn't Skeens take the mound, go Tigers? He's going to take the mound. He will find a way to get into this championship series. Even if it's coming out of the bullpen, it's going to happen. Especially if it goes three games, you would expect to see him pitch for sure. So keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Keep leaving your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we will share them throughout the remainder of today's show. Our final RP3 and company. D'Lo, how you doing back there, bud? You got a, a room full of... Past producers. Everybody commenting on how dusty it is. That's my bad. Should have should have cleaned up for the guests. <laughs> you should you should have cleaned up. You should have tidied up. You didn't. Why didn't you? Why didn't you do that, bud? I don't know. I don't know. That's on me. So you've brought shame to not only yourself but your entire household and your family. Yep. Yep. Well, nothing new. Uh, that's nothing new. Uh, if you're part of RP3 and Company, you do that all the time. All the time. By the way, do yourself a favor before. Our final hour arrives, and we bring on Louis Prejean to lead things off at 8 o'clock. You'll have to find the Christmas rap video that he wrote, produced, and directed. I had a co-starring role in it. It is uh, phenomenal, and it may be the the best thing this show has ever done. So uh, make sure to check that out before we bring on Louis. That way you can ask him about it when he joins us to lead off hour number three. Speaking of hour number three, what can we expect? Oh, more trips down memory lane. 
Louis Prejean, Troy Brashear Jr., the pride of New Iberia, the unofficial mayor of the Barry, and of course, Nick Fondo, a man who was the co-host of this show, guest host of this show, often a guest on this show. He's done it all. I want to say there's probably days he produced and I wasn't even aware. Nick Fondo. That's how we're going to close it out. That's coming up. Final hour of RP3 and company ever. Coming up next after this timeout right here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, the final hour of this Friday edition of RP3 and Company. It's the final hour of the show as we now know it. Next week, new show, new time. New affiliation. RP3, D-Lo, and Mesh will debut on Monday. And that'll go from 11 to 1. That way you can get all of our shenanigans during your lunchtime hour. We've spent today's show talking, of course, about the LSU Tigers walking it off against Wake Forest 2 to nothing in the 11th inning off of Tommy Tank's home run. They punched their ticket to the National Championship Series at the College World Series. That is scheduled to begin on Saturday against the Florida Gators. First pitch scheduled for 6 o'clock. Of course, you can listen to it right here on the game. We also touch base on the NBA lottery and the Pelicans selecting another versatile guard that will likely not get a lot of playing time. I just, well, uh, just a little bit. <laughs> but we've also been going down uh, memory lane here, so to speak. We had James Yasko on. One of the guys that has been part of the show from its inception. And we had the first producer that I had here at the game for the rap game show. And then for RP3 and company, Cody Shoots. But now it's time to talk to another one of the producer extraordinaires. MC Louis P himself. Mr. Louis Praise John, the pride of Como High School. <laughs> Pelicans! <laughs> Oh, How's the it Pelicans. Over? How's it going, bud? I'm good. Hey, I just want to say this. I want to get this out of the way now. I, I, I see what you're doing. I've been texting you. I see what you're doing, living in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see you on the social. Here you are. <laughs> you're all grown up now, bearded. You're working on some, some artwork on the sleeve. Mm-hmm. You're living your best life, my friend. I'm proud of you, brother. I'm like Zion in the offseason. <laughs> Oh, my bad. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got people listening to this. No, no. I'm not like Zion in the offseason. Oh. We'll get get to your Pelicans, by the way, (laughs) because we're definitely going to talk about the state of your franchise and the franchise player. Let's go back. Cody leaves, and we had our guy, Kevin Neal, step in as the substitute producer. Kevin didn't know sports. Kevin didn't want to know sports. And Kevin was stressed by having to produce a sports show. But he was able to do it. 
for a long time until we found the right producer. And then there you were. Students at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, athletically known as the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, just so we point that out so that the way no one gets upset. And you actually got hired to be the producer while you were still being a student. Thinking about that, it's kind of crazy, right? Insane. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Can you list more accolades? <laughs> I mean, you were the first of three consecutive mm-hmm. LAB radio student broadcasters of the year that were associated and worked on this show, by the way. You started the three-peat, the dynasty run, if you will. So, congratulations. System, thank, you for, thank you for that. System player. System player. Had the right environment. The Tom Brady of producers. I'm still a Jets fan, by the way. <laughs> Any shot I can get in that time. You, you excited about Aaron Rodgers? And, uh, and, and oh, there it is. <laughs> I, I feel like I had agendas on this show against Aaron Rodgers. Yes, you did. Yes, and you did. And now he's the Jets quarterback. And now he's your quarterback. Now I love him. There it is. Now you love him. I, I mean, look, the Jets have some nice young pieces, bud. Yeah, you got a, got a nice, nice team there. I've been keeping up. Yeah, uh, how about your Cincinnati Reds? One of the hottest teams in baseball right now. According to my research about 15 minutes ago, first in the NL Central. Hello? 40 and 35? <laughs> What's funny is that Lewis <laughs> did not follow baseball and did not care about baseball. So we kind of just just forced him to pick a team. So he found, he was like, I want to pick a team and I don't want to be a bandwagon team. So he picked one of the worst teams going on in the Cincinnati Reds, who, who just happened to be less East favorite team as well. So we would always do that. And then you you begrudgingly started watching baseball and then and following it. And, I mean, obviously. I, what, I think, baseball? Yeah, you love baseball. No, what was I wa- watching? <laughs> What's up? Uh, we watched Cane Cutters games. Yeah, we watched one Cane Cutters games. Ask me, I live in Houston now. Ask me if I'm watching Astros games. Are you watching Astros? Games? I love the Astros. I've been to one game. Been to one game? I've been well, to one game. Uh, it, so the whole time you've been there, you've been to one game. You remember how I took notes at the Cane Cutters games? Yes. And provided feedback? Yes. Minute Maid Park. This is a public service announcement. I need the seats to be comfier. <laughs> What's the capacity? What's the seating capacity? If the seats were comfier, though, I probably would have fell asleep. And that's not on the Astros. That's just on. That's just on my enjoyment of baseball. I think. <laughs> but I'm gonna wear an Astros hat. Yes, you are. There you One go. One thing about me is this: this is staying on the head. It, it, it makes sense. You live in Houston. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta blend in, right? It, it's everywhere. Uh, Except I'm rebranding to the Rockets now. That's what's oh, happening. there we go. Rebranding to the Rockets. Had the best draft in the NBA draft. I know there's a big market of Rockets fans here <laughs> that would love to hear more about Eamon Thompson and Cam Whitmore. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about uh, your team, bud. The New Orleans Pelicans, man. They won't bow down, bud. They Ka-ka! won't bow down. <laughs> um, won't bow down? Aren't they getting rid of that? <laughs> they did. They already did. But it was it still it was won't so, bow down. It's, it's etched still, in history. They, they still won't bow down. Um, y- your man Zion, 
It's, What's it's, he been up to? Uh, he's been injured and uh, doing other things off the court. I that, hear it's a hamstring injury. <laughs> that's that's what we hear. That's what we hear. What do we? Uh, you still have confidence that he can seriously be healthy and be the face of the franchise and lead your team to great success, or are you already off that that bus, so to speak? I don't think anyone has reason to be confident Zion's going to be healthy. There's no track record of him being healthy, so there's no confidence in him being healthy. There's confidence that if he is healthy, he's going to be a star in the face of the franchise. They were discussing possibly moving Zion or Brandon Ingram up to number two or three. Ultimately, that did not happen. Do I believe that they were actually considering maybe throwing Zion in there for a Scoot Henderson? I do. Because that's what it's going to take to get to number two or three. But at the end of the day, when you look at what Zion, when he was healthy and he was on the court, was able to do for the Pelicans, you got to see what you have instead of bringing in another rookie. You got jobs on the line like David Griffin and Mm -hmm. others. And putting Willie Green at a kind of back to the drawing board with a rookie and a whole nother reset, you like what you had when they were healthy. So why not run it back at the end of the day? I, I agree with you, and so does Dawson, the new producer extraordinaire. Uh, you, you can't give up on it yet. And I know Pelicans fans are frustrated. And they say, well, you just got to trade him because he's never going to be healthy and he's never going to do this. But Griff has hitched his wagon to this guy. And he's not going to trade him because that, that would be saying that he failed at building the franchise that he's been given the job to do so. So he's not going to do that. And I agree with you. You got to run it back another year, but let me play devil's advocate here. If we're sitting here next year and the Pelicans have had another pedestrian season marked with Zion missing time for injuries and an early playing tournament exit, what do you do then? Big decisions. I say that you would make the trades. You gave it some time. That's year six of Zion, by the way, right? Like or year five of Zion, it would be completing year, year five. Yeah. yeah, year five of Zion. I'd say it's always tough because you gave the patience to Joel Embiid, and you're seeing with the 76ers, they're winning. He's an or, MVP. Or, and, and take the injury concerns out. See what they did with the patience with the Greek Freak in Milwaukee, and the patience they did with Joker in Denver. Mm-hmm. They weren't polished right out the gate. Now Zion was far more. You could see the put. You could see the dynamic stardom right off the, the the start. You didn't see that with the Greek Freak or the Joker. You knew they had potential, but they had to work at getting it. But you were patient and saw the player that they turned into, and obviously you mentioned Embiid, who dealt with his own injury issues. I just... It's just like, there's always something with this franchise. Like, that's my bigger thing is, it's not even a Zion thing. Zion has got to be a little bit more mature off the court and kind of handle stuff differently and know not to be involved with relationships with, you know, adult entertainers. Like, uh, you you have to be able to actually know that. And that's the thing. But there's always something weird going on with the Pelicans, whether it's injuries or weird press conferences about playing piano or, you know, whatever it is, there's always something weird going on. It's never quiet with New Orleans. And I think that may be a bad thing. Because people talk about culture, trying to set a culture, and you look at what they've done since Zion's came in. Can you explain the culture to me? I, I, I still don't. And I still don't quite know, and I've said this before on the air, I still don't quite know what the vision is. They almost had it. 
a couple of seasons ago, like the scrappy young team yeah. on the rise. And then the, earlier last season, it was deepest team in the league when everyone was healthy, you know, trying to progress on that. And then you get hit with another injuries. The identity of this team is like every time something is going right, there's an injury or there's multiple yeah. injuries. And then you have to look at, well, what's going on with the training staff? And now they're starting to they get they let go of Aaron Nelson there on mm -hmm. the training staff. They let go of Teresa Weatherspoon. I was hurt by that. I was a little surprised by and that because how close she was with Zion too. And I was like, mm. that was like, is it signaling Zion trade? But it wasn't. Now Willie Green's starting to get his guys in. They're starting to get newer training yeah. staff. That's going to be something to look at when you're talking about every time this team gets going they get injured. So maybe a change in the training staff will be able to help. Could be. Dawson, you want to jump in? Yeah, I'd add in that it's tough to in – in the league, you look around and the best players on the best teams are the leaders. And it's tough when your best player is far from a leader. And I think it's pretty clear that Zion right now is not a leader. Um, now, whether, whether he can get there this year and take some steps, that's perfectly fine. And did he have some moments of leadership when he was out there playing? Sure, but – Right now, I think you look at – there's guys that make good leaders on paper, like C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram, but are those guys actually the ones that get people to respond to him? That's where I have concerns. But I think, hey, if he figures it out and he turns it on this year and he decides that he's going to act the way he needs to act, then you have the pieces. We saw that. You, 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 we saw that on the basketball court they have the pieces, and I think Jordan Hawkins last night, while he might not play a big role, he fits into that, what they've been trying to build as well, another guy who can stretch the floor. Dawson, are you saying Jackson Hayes is not a leader? <laughs> Some are saying that that. Some, I just are saying heard? That. Some have suggested it. I might go along with you that. You said the best player has to be a leader. You're I telling just, me, Jackson. I, I just also have questions on, on, on the roster. I, I like that there's good players. But, like, they, they took a good player last night, a, a guy that can shoot. He's versatile. But you know what? They took Dyson last year, too, and he barely played. And they keep drafting guys, particular guards, that they draft, and they never play them. Kyra Lewis, Jr., I know he got injured, but then when he was healthy, never plays. Dyson doesn't play. Do I expect Hawkins to play? No. So why are you drafting these guys if you're not going to play them? That's a fundamental question I have for Willie Green. I think it's a fair question. It's a fair question. Then you look back at Willie Green's first season, and he was willing to play rookies. So he what was happened? willing to play Trey Murphy and Herb Jones. I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know. I'm not Willie Green. I can't answer this question. No. I, I would... <laughs> <laughs> Asking me like I'm part of the Pelicans organization. I mean, you have inside sources. Exactly. That's why Jordan Hawkins is going to be the still of the draft. I have intel on that. Jordan Hawkins yes. is the next J.J. Redick. He's the next Ray Allen. And then he's going to progress into becoming Steph Curry. Oh, how amazing. I'm Jordan ready. Hawkins, by the way, brings a different dynamic in shooting than Trey Murphy or any of the other shooters. He does resemble more of a off the ball. He's got a high motor. He's going to keep running around. More of a J.J. Redick in analysis. You start your career as J.J. Redick and end up as Steph Curry. It'd be a pretty good career arc. That is what's going to happen. <laughs> it's what's going to happen. There's no ifs. There's no... Oh, that would be great. It's, ha it's happening. <laughs> it's, it's Many hap are saying Jordan Hawkins is the next Steph Curry. No, of course. Who? I, 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 this is Everyone's saying it. You're just, you're just repeating what everyone else has said. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, we got to wrap. We got to wrap up. Was the highlight of your time as the producer extraordinaire here for RP3 and Company, was it A, being able to attend a New Orleans Pelicans game, cover it in person with yours truly right before the pandemic hit, like the game right before the pandemic hit, 
Yes. Was it that? Yes. Was it winning no <laughs> the LAB Award for Radio Student Broadcaster of the Year, or, or was it writing, producing, and directing a Christmas rap video? That was wiped from the internet. My dad was asking for it, and I couldn't. He's like, I can't find the music video. And I, I couldn't find it either. I think it's been wiped off the internet. I had the CIA wipe it. Uh, the highlight has been working with you. Oh, same. and getting a friend in Ray and the rest of the team here. Bud. We talk about Troy and Nick. Boom. And Dawson. Me and Dawson are best friends now. Clint. Boom. What about Everyone. Cody? Cody. You just met Cody, too. I, he's my best friend, too. Boom. But we're family now. We're, we're all, Fa- family. Oh, it's all about family. family. Did you watch Fast and Furious 10? Oh, I sure did. Wasn't Jason Momoa great in <laughs> he it? He was. He did. He was like the Joker. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. It was the best part of that movie. Um, and, and then Vin Diesel drove a car down a, a, a dam, which was Some of phenomenal. us haven't seen it yet. Let's relax here. It was in Let's the trailer. <laughs> it's in the trailer. We got, what, another two hours? Here's everything that happens in Fast and Furious 10. <laughs> Thank you for coming in, brother. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Man, got nothing but love for you, bud. Louis Prejean, the former producer extraordinaire, and a man who, by the way, is living his best life. We got to take a timeout. A man who filled in as the producer extraordinaire on a substitute basis, and another award winner, Troy Brashear Jr., will join us next, right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language. You look at all the guys that they got. Clinton Anukoraru, and I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola. More like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Wasawi. These names are killing me, man. I even practiced last night. Me fail English? That's impossible. Now back to that silky smooth delivery of RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Another former producer, not full-time, though, joining us here. He could have been full-time producer extraordinaire. Opportunity presented himself. UL student graduates the second straight LAB radio student broadcaster of the year that this show produced. A man who's the unofficial mayor of New Iberia. Troy Brashear Jr. joins us next. <laughs> Troy, good morning. Good morning, Ray. What's up? <laughs> I'm, I'm here hanging out. So I, I got to tell a story. So Troy was filling in, and something happened where you had to fill in for like almost a week. You remember this? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. I do. <laughs> so he has to fill in for like a week. And you were so nervous that first day. You were so nervous. He was so nervous. I was like, I was like, dude. You got this. And he's like, no, 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 I don't have this. I don't have this. How does Lewis do this? I don't understand. How does Lewis do this? I says, you got this, Troy. You got this. You know, after that week, I I would not. Look, Ray, I we talk about me making the LAB student broadcast of the year. Look, it was founded by you. 
Oh, so look, I got to give you. you credit for that because I do remember that week. I, see, I was repressing that. I was trying to forget because <laughs> <laughs> I was so nervous. And <laughs> now it's here. I remember it very, very clearly. Now, <laughs> now uh, we have an opportunity. You know, you 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 came here as an intern. You learned under uh, Louis Prejean. Uh, what was that experience like? And I know he's inside the Evco Development Studios with us right now, but you can uh, come clean and, and tell us about all the berating yeah. that you had to take at the hands of MC Louis P. I did. Um, I, it took like weeks of counseling and therapy. Um, I mean, I don't even know as an in, I don't even remember as an intern. Did I even have access to like HR to tell him something, or was I just stuck back there? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. Lewis was so he was such a good coach, uh, like I mean, and just uh, teaching me, teaching me the ropes, like. And he was also trying to calm me down, even with him back there. Sometimes I was still like, "What is happening?" Like I don't know. Uh, like, do I do is this one? He's like, "Just slow down, take it easy." And it and, and, and it didn't help. <laughs> you know, sometimes I would, you know, I wasn't necessarily a hundred percent, you know, nah. great those those mornings. And th- that would happen from time to time, or every day. Rather would be the better, the better way of describing that. <laughs> what are you that. talking about? You were, I don't know. You were, you were outstanding. So, I want to talk about because we've heard from Cody Shoots, who's living his best life. We know Louis Prejean, based on what we see on Instagram, is living his best life. We understand this. <laughs> uh, the 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 man, his life is documented in reels, and it should be put in the Smithsonian. I do. What's I want, going on there. You know, Louis, you got to teach me some of those dance moves, man. Like, oh, come on, man, dancing, riding horses, <laughs> doing all types of stuff. The man, the man's living, living his best life. So, you, I know, while you were a student in in here, you have aspirations of becoming a filmmaker. So, did doing anything here what? <laughs> At a sports talk station, help you get on that path or help you prepare for that? Confidence. There it is. You know? So it's just like, as y'all saw, I was a nervous wreck. And now I'm. I, fi- I found my stride. I said that's probably the biggest change is just I've, I've just done many little, little things in life. Slowly, surely just started building my confidence. I don't know. Like, I even been changing up my wardrobe a little bit, you know? So it's like even small stuff like that. I've been practicing skills, learning languages. Learning languages? Yeah, learning languages. Oh, you're trying to be bilingual? I'm trying to be multilingual. Ooh. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be uh, what's they call versatile. You know, uh, true, true story, Troy. When, when I went back to college and uh, got my bachelor's degree, I was forced to take foreign, uh, foreign language. And I took two semesters of Spanish. Okay. And I know how to say biblioteca. <laughs> and that's about it. And that's all I know. It, it did not last. So uh, congratulations on uh, this man speaking. So what's the goal? How many languages are you wanting to master? Um, I at least want to do four. Um, so four? right now I'm kind of brushing up on my French because I actually grew up learning French because in New Iberia we were one of the first uh, school districts to implement the French immersion program in elementary school so I've basically been in French from was it kindergarten to seventh grade but unfortunately when you don't speak it you lose it I lost it I'm trying to get it back so I'm trying to do French Spanish German and Japanese Everyone's reaction, by the way. No one else can see this, but everyone else's reaction here in the FCO Development Studios. Lewis, Fondo, Shoots. Oh, I can't even see, but I just know he made a reaction. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> hey, 
and even Dawson, they're all like, what? Really? Really? That's quite ambitious. I'll get you out of here with this, brother. And best of luck to you and everything that you're doing with becoming uh, a master of multiple languages, being an aspiring filmmaker, and everything like that. But I want to get you out of here with this. You're rocking the Jose jersey, the Mardi Gras-style jersey for the New Orleans Pelicans. By the way, it's very clean-looking. Oh, thank you. Question. Answer. Are you now a more diehard New Orleans Pelicans fan than Louis Prejean is? I don't think I'll ever be able to achieve that in my lifetime. As hard as I may try, I don't think I'll ever achieve it. I'm only just striving to get as close as I can. Mm. Like, I want to be part of the Pelicans organization like Louis Prejean is. Like, I want to be a pseudo, like, manager of the team eventually. Well, I, I based on what they do handling um, public relations and handling the health and uh, training of their athletes – I'm, I'm sure you're just as qualified as anyone they've had on staff the last four years. So. At this point, everybody, every, everybody on social media, too, you know, they're all professional um, general managers and uh, like they, they, they just know. Like every time we make a draft pick, they know we made the wrong one. They're there absolutely sure and positive because they've been doing this for years. And, and one of those people is, is Nick Fonda. He's coming up next <laughs> <one>. <laughs> Troy, thank you for coming by, brother. Oh, I was glad to be here. Troy Brashear Jr. The interim producer extraordinaire that we had here at RP3 and Company more than a few times. When we come back from this timeout, Nick Fondo, a man who was a co-host on this show, a man who was a fill-in guest host, and a guest. He did it all. Going to come and chop it up with me. That's next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, the final guest of RP3 and Company, and it only seems fitting that it's my good friend, Mr. Nick Fontenot, a man who was co-host, sat right next to me at this table through probably the most difficult time of the show's history because of the pandemic. Yeah. Also, you know him as a great guest host on here, and he's been a guest on my show as well as Footnotes. He's also a reporter extraordinaire freelancer does it all podcast if you want to know something about the local sports scene this man's got an opinion about it true and, and a great one <laughs> welcome back brother thanks man i tell people all the time you're talking about when we were doing the show together about you know i started in 2020 i started in january of 2020 yeah, we had no of idea course, was coming everything <laughs> happened in march <laughs> yes and i was also doing sales in the front office um for delta media as well so i started two careers one of them, advertising sales, which nobody was buying advertising sales at the time that I started my career. The other one, sports radio, nobody was playing sports. <laughs> so I started, I started was, two careers at the same time in the worst time for both careers. It was so, it was so I, I just remember us, you know, I remember thinking, you, you remember this, where it was, they started talking about like the pandemic and everything like that. I think we even made jokes 
about was Rudy Gobert that licked the the yep. microphone of the reporter. Remember, and we're yes. like, "Oh, that big dummy! This will just go away. Th- things will be shut down for like four days." And we had to go do our shows for six weeks there were with two, remote kits at our house. There were two, and Lewis had to be here in the studio. There were two big sports stories that I remember from that time. One was LeBron James came out and said, I will not play if there's no fans. And Steph Curry had made uh, the opposite. He had the opposite take. He's like, I'll play no matter what. And so I came in one day and I was like, wait, I think we should talk about this COVID-19 thing. I, th- I think it's going to be a big deal. And we got you know major pushback from, no, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to scare people. We don't want to worry about it. We're just going to ignore it. So we ignored it. And then like three days later, we shut everything down. <laughs> we were doing our show from the house. So. Doing our show from the house, which, is not, uh, which was not uh, ideal. But you know what was funny about that, though? And poor Lewis had to be here in the dark because everyone had to do it. And only a few producers could be in here. And we had all the all, all the protocols and everything. But you know what was funny about that time, though? We It forced us to book better guests, oh, if yeah. you remember. Sure. And we got a, a bunch of, like, Hall of Famers to come on and everything like that. And I think it made the show better because it made us kind of – we would have to, like, do Zoom or talk afterwards. Okay, well, what are we going to do on tomorrow's show – the only thing going on is some golf and NASCAR, and that was it. And what are we going to do? What are we going to talk about? Because we can't sit here and just talk about the fact that everything's shut down. So what are we going to look at? And I think it made us, you and I personally, I think it made us far better uh, host than it did beforehand. Yeah, I think it made our show better. We got closer during that time. And also, it it, it allowed Lewis to shine. It, with, with how we, it allowed us to appreciate Lewis more than we did already, yes. Because of his what it was, it was what he was able to do in that tough time, being here by himself, not being able to see us, and still you know producing a great show. I think it allowed us to appreciate just the amount of talent that we had uh, behind that window when we were here live. I I would agree with that. Oh, look, he's so he's so thankful. He's so thankful. <laughs> the humility from the man is 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 amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Look at him. Oh, look at him with the, all the all the humility. There it is. There it is. He's, he's all grown up. Dude. Yeah. Isn't yeah. He? yeah. Look at him. He's just I, all grown up. He now. told me he was going to post less on Instagram. I was like, that is a mistake. Post more. <laughs> I need more Lewis posts. Because every time he posts, it's fantastic. I, I love seeing Lewis doing well. Now, uh, you were co host with me. And then afterwards, you became a fill in guest host, not only for this show, but for Kevin Foote's show and Jordy and the afternoon show. So you you still been atta- uh, still been associated with the show. And then on top of it, obviously. Uh, we've had you on as a guest. We did, uh, you know, great sports betting segments with you and, and talk everything. I know you talk Pelicans with, with uh, Footsie, uh, who's always rational about his sports takes. <laughs> What about our guy Dawson Eisler? What do you think? What do you think about this this young man that's now the new producer extraordinaire? What do you think I, about him? I like, as the kids would say, Lewis will know this phrase, no cap, right? Ooh. I texted you on like the first time I ever heard him. I said. He's got it. Like you just when when somebody turns the mic on, you know if they've got it. And some people don't got it. And and Dawson got it. And he, he's he's special. He's I, don't, I would fully expect him to go straight to the moon. Like he is everything that you want in a in a young broadcaster and talented. He as soon as he turned the mic on for the first time, I was like, this dude's got it. That's just that's just the bottom line. That is that is the bottom line. But there's the flip side to that. Okay, because we've had a great run here, right, on RP3 and company. Began with Cody Shoots, who's living his best life. And then we had uh, Kevin Neal, who, who did not know sports, but uh, he valiantly went back there and produced the show, and it was stressful for him. My man's over in Lake Charles, by the way, doing television production. Wow. By the way, Kevin, shout out to him. Then we found Lewis. 
right? We got Prejean. Then we had Troy fill in as the interim guy. Then we had uh, your favorite producer, uh, Nick Diaz, um, who who was here for a great season. See, that's Cap. <laughs> that's Cap. <laughs> but I appreciate Nick's. I, I am appreciative of, of what he gave. And then, of course, we found Hannah Five Names, who uh, came and brought a different dynamic to the show and made the show better. And now we have Dawson, which means you, you say that he's got it, right? He's got that it factor, which means that, once again, I will have to find another producer in, in less than six months. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I was surprised that uh, he was he still produced this show. Like I thought he was going to be uh, well on his way. No, I mean, no. You mentioned all those names and all those very talented people. I mean, I, we give Nick a hard time, but he's talented. I mean, obviously he's talented. We know he is. But I mean, those are you've had a, a, a exorbitant. What do they call it? A abundance of riches or whatever you call a it. A producer spot. And and when you have a good producer and talented producers, I mean, I work with Lewis and, and we mentioned Dawson. Like. It just makes your job so much easier. You don't have to worry about anything going on behind that glass. You can just turn the mic on and do Correct. what you do. And so that is a uh, has definitely been a blessing for to have those guys. Well, first, I want to be very appreciative of your words, Nick. Yeah, I man, it means a lot. But I did also want to bring up the fact that the RP three producer tree is being mentioned among the Nick Saban coaching tree <laughs> as kind of just things that kind of change the landscape in general <laughs> overall. So that's something to think about as well moving forward. It does. For, for all the guys that have been producers and, and Cody and Kevin and Lewis and Troy and Nick and Hannah and now Dawson, when you have someone, you're exactly correct. When you can come in as a show host or co-host and you don't have to worry about what's going on on the other side of the glass, it makes all the difference in the world. It just does because you can relax and then you can be yourself yeah. and you don't have to be stressed. And then when you can talk with them and chop it up with them, that's even better, right? I mean, and that's just a, a, a difference. Let me uh, ask you this. I remember, I don't know if you remember this. Remember when we were talking about Jameis Winston? Of course. <laughs> About and it was one of the weirdest things on, on, on our show. So we were talking about Jameis Winston, and and we had it as a poll question, Lewis, if I remember right. Should the Saints sign Jameis Winston in the offseason? And you, because you're a diehard Saints fan, and you're like Kevin in a lot of ways. You're so passionate about your Saints. And we were just having fun about it. Like, I didn't even think it was like a reality. We were just having fun. We're like, hey, what if the, what if the Saints go out and sign Jameis Winston? How funny would that be? And you were so mad about that even being a possibility, and then it then it then it became true for for a couple of seasons. Yeah, so that's a <laughs> I, I tell that story often too because that was the not my proudest moment because I got really angry you and when were, we when we so turned mad. when yes. we turned the mic off I got super angry and uh, maybe said some words that we can't say on we, the air. We both we th- things got heated, but the great thing about this guy sitting beside me, the great thing about this guy sitting beside me. Is that, and I've told that story too, is that there was no, so look, sometimes when you're working in a, in a relationship and you're in a workplace with folks, things get heated, right? And sometimes things happen, right? But the great thing about Nick is he was able to like, we, like literally like less than an hour afterwards. Yeah. Like it was that day we're like, hey, boom. And we figured out not only about how to work with each other better, but we also figured out more about our personalities and the friendship got stronger because of it. Yeah, and and, and 
and listen, I you're giving me credit for that, but I'm not. I'm going to take zero of the credit. And I, I told you this when it happened, and I've told you this multiple times since then. Like you just don't let things get to you the way that I let things get to me. And so I've learned so much from you just for about being a person, not even about broadcasting or, or doing the show or anything, just the ability to just let things go, the ability to have really high stressful moments, high mm-hmm. emotional moments, and just turn the page on those and not take them from one day to the next is, uh, is very impressive to see you. to see you do that. And so I, I've been able to learn that. So no, it's been a beneficial relationship for me on a personal level. The broadcasting aside, I mean, that's whatever. I mean, this was always my dream job. You gave me the opportunity to do that for a few months. So I'm always, I'm always grateful for that. But just being able to learn from you on how to you know, react to things like that has been, has been uh, very beneficial for me. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, bro. man. I appreciate it. Yeah. So we'll get you out of here with this. I want to ask you a couple of questions. College World Series. Are you Tigers going to get it done? Are they going to win the title? It's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. One one take that I wanted to have that I've, I've been hearing all these people talk about Paul Skeens and how it's going to ruin his career. Like, can we just can we just pump the brakes on that? Like, it's not like he was pitching on four days rest the entire season. He pitched one time on four days rest. If he goes to the next level and blows out his elbow, it's not because he pitched last night. It's because something else was wrong. Like, it's just it, it's one of these narratives that I'm just like. What is going on? Now, if you want to give me arguments about saving him for the next series or, you know, setting yourself up to beat Florida and all that stuff, hey, those are fair. But to to say that, oh, well, they're going to save him for his career down the road and this is going to ruin his – I just – I'm not about that. Are they going to win the series? It's going to be tough. I mean, obviously, it's been a glaring thing for the whole whole year. They have the lineup. They have the bats. They have Paul Skeens, and that's it. And and the bullpen has stepped up tremendously in this World Series. They've done great. Are they going to be able to do it for two more games? I hope so. But I, it's it's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Quickly, only got about forty seconds. How do you feel about the state of the New Orleans Pelicans, and how do you feel about the state of the New Orleans Saints? The the Pelicans they they didn't do anything to make me get me excited last night. Um, I don't think they needed to add any big pieces. I think they had all the pieces in place. Zion just had to stay healthy. I mean, it's 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 the bottom line. The ceiling, if Zion's on the team, is a championship. The ceiling, if he's not on the team, is like mediocrity and like being the Atlanta Hawks. And if we want to be the Atlanta Hawks and make the playoffs every year and have no chance to win a championship, let's do that. But if you want to win a championship, you have to have Zion and he has to be healthy. Um, I think the Saints can do something special. I think Derek Carr is... Um, is is exactly what they needed. I, I think they have the, the pieces. What are they going to be able to do at running back? Are, are the additions going to be able to be great? But uh, I think it's a good time for, for the Saints and the Pelicans. Zion just has to stay healthy, period. Brother, appreciate your time as always, my friend. Thanks, man. We got to take a timeout. Our final one. We'll come back. We'll finalize the poll question of the day, and we'll sign off and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. It's all next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you think RP3 is the only nickname Ray has? Think again. There was Little Vainant. There was Little Foot, Little Bubba. There was LD, which stood for Little Dufo. There was Ray Dog. There was Ray Diggity Dog. There was Fish. There was Fish Face. There was RP3. There was even Ramundo from El Segundo. Back to the host with more nicknames than he knows what to do with. RP3, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Wrapping up today's show, the final RP3 and company. Poll question of the day. We'll do that first here. Was last night's game the best College World Series game you have ever seen? Final results on that bad boy. Man, it is one of the ones. I still say the 1996 national title game winner with Warren Morris's home run is the best college baseball game I've ever seen. But 60% of you say yes, 24% say no, 16% say maybe, nearly 90 votes on this. Braves fan for life says the Warren Morris home run to win the 1996 College World Series will never be topped. I would probably agree with that as well, unless they win it in walk-off fashion this time around. Once again, don't forget LSU Florida. Game one of the championship series will be Saturday night. First pitch, 6 o'clock. Pre-game begins at 5.30. Then on Sunday, game two, first pitch, 2 o'clock. Pre-game begins at 1.30. And I want to thank all the guys that stopped by today. Greatly appreciate that. And I want to take a moment here to thank everyone that helped make this possible. Right? Started off with the producers like Cody Schutz that worked with me and helped develop me. It went on with Kevin Neal, who subbed in as a producer. Then Louis Prejean. Then Troy Brashear Jr. as a fill-in. Then Nick Diaz, who came in. And then, of course, Hannah, five names, who made the show even better, especially with the foodie poll question of the week, which was something that was originated with her. And now, of course, with Dawson Iserlo. And everyone else that helped in between, Nick Fondo, Chuck Wood, Johnette Cochran, Clint Domain, the entire staff, James Mesh, Matt Miguez, everyone that's worked here during the four and a half years I've been on the air in this capacity. I appreciate every single one of you, and I appreciate every one of you out there listening, giving a guy a chance that hadn't been on radio for 20 plus years, and you gave me a chance to entertain you, and I hope we did so for the last four plus years. It has been an absolute privilege to be sitting in this studio day after day doing remotes at SEC Media Days, at LSUE, and everywhere in between. To be able to chop it up and be on the air talking sports and talking with all of you listeners, Doug, Halftime, Darren, Martin, and everyone else in between, Ton, Jamie, Ralph, Salty Steve, You guys have made this one of the best jobs I've ever had. Next week, a new era begins. I'm going to do so with the man sitting across from me. He's going to come in here and sit at the big desk. He'll still be the producer extraordinaire for Footnotes with Kevin Foote, but starting next week, our new show will debut. 11 to 1 weekdays. We're going to be your go-to spot when it comes to sports talk during your lunch break. RP3, D-Lo, and Mesh. I'm excited about what the future is going to hold, and I'm excited that you're going to go along with this new journey with me, brother. Thank you for that. Excited. Just concerned about the chairs. I like the chairs back here better, but maybe uh, maybe I'll switch them when Mesh isn't looking. <laughs> or just take one of Miguez's because he only has 18 of them, by the way. Man, collects chairs. Collects chairs like he collects haircuts. I love you, Miguel. <laughs> oh, we have a good time here. 
That's going to do it for this final edition of RP3 and Company. Thanks again to all of you. Until next time, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game.